If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Hey, all on here. No normal FPL pod this week. Instead, we're bringing you a fireside chat with David Mooney. It's sort of a Manchester City deep dive. And then we'll be back next week with the normal FPL pod. Cheers. Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash FML FPL. Hey, welcome to another FML VL Fireside Chat. I'm pleased to welcome freelance radio journalist, writer, host of both the Blue Moon Podcast and the Athletics Why Always Us Podcast, David Mooney. Hi, how are you doing? Everything's good. How are you on this, <laughs> on this Monday afternoon sane Premier League weekend? It's not, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, on, on Saturday evening, I was not that thrilled with a one-all draw at Leeds. Right. Then all of a sudden, by Sunday night, I was quite happy with it. <laughs> yeah, not so bad, gaining a point on almost all of your rivals. Um, so let's just start with a little bit of background of you and, and who you are. So have you always been a Manchester City supporter? How did you break into radio and journalism and all that? Uh, yeah, I, um, I started following city i i started following city when i was at primary school mm. um which uh for international listeners is kind of like uh <laughs> like like the first school you go to so like yeah. four or five years old we call uh, it elementary school yeah, um, yeah uh my my mom and dad started taking me to a few games but the, the school used to get um free tickets from um uh, from city at the time they any any that they hadn't sold they would then give to the schools in the area and that was at about 93 94 and then I, I finally got a season ticket in the end uh, in about uh, 97. And it took me six years to watch City play in the same division consecutive, in consecutive seasons because I got a season <laughs> oh, wow. ticket. Uh, they went down, up, up, down, up. Um, as they went down to the third tier, then back up to the Premier League in, in 2000. And then, yeah, it just kind of, um, it, it's just something that I've I kind of kept up and then... Obviously, we got lucky in 2008 with the takeover, and, and things have just kind of changed. If you'd have told told that kind of five year old, six year old in the mid 90s that that the team he'd be watching would be, you know, pushing for all sorts of domestic honours, just as they were as they were fighting relegation from the Premier League. By uh, there, there's there's an infamous story that I don't know if people know about. Um, 
but City's first Premier League relegation mm-hmm. on the final day, they needed to win to uh, have any hope of staying up. Uh, and they needed other results elsewhere to go for them. Well, the mm-hmm. results were going okay because everybody else was drawing. Um, and uh, City were drawing as well. And they, 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 the, the misinformation came from the crowd that a draw was enough. So they started oh, no. holding the ball by the corner flag and wasting time. Oh, and no. then a couple of minutes later, Niall Quinn runs from the dugout going, actually, lads, we... We might need another one, so maybe get the ball into the box. Oh my god! <laughs> didn't didn't get the didn't get the win and ended up going down on the final day because of that. And it just yeah, that it, sounds it incredible. Of, just n- <laughs> not having dull. internet and everything like that. Even I lust for that. It's like I, it, yeah, it was never dull. Yeah, incredible. So I, I guess a good place to start is sort of just the Manchester City supporter perspective on the season so far. Sort of the lay of the land. I I'm I'm curious where everyone was at in preseason. I'm sure it was. A tough summer, tough Champions League knockout, and then it's been sort of up and down, right? I, I'm sure after the Wolves match, everyone was buzzing. Then after the Leicester match, everyone was, you know, <laughs> the opposite of buzzing. And then after Leeds, unsure. Like, where where's everyone at right now? It's weird. Um, I I don't know, and I don't think many mm-hmm. people know, um, mm-hmm. because I don't think many people would be surprised if City went on to have a title challenge this season. Uh, but I also don't think they'll be surprised if they end up finishing 15 points off the title because they're just so right. unpredictable at the moment. Um, they The Champions League was a disappointment back in, in August, it would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of said this to a, a couple of people on, on Saturday when uh, City had full control of the game against Leeds. Uh, they were playing Leeds off the park for the opening 20, 25 minutes. Oh, yeah. They got themselves 1-0 in front. And then Leeds gradually got back into the game. And there was a lot of people, a lot of neutrals who were who were saying things like, uh, I mean, I can't believe City have let this game slip in the way that they have done. And I'm kind of like, well, if you can't believe that, then you've not been paying attention for about 18 <laughs> right. months. Right. Because this is the thing that City have been doing for, for the last 18 months or so, since the start of last season. Um, and it's not, I don't think it's a quick fix. So... Yeah, the Wolves' result was great, and you know the City's opening day of the season to go away to Molyneux, you know, silence the Incredible. or just 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 kind of like keep Wolves in in, in where yeah. they were and play them off the pitch for about an hour, and then okay, Wolves came back into it for ten minutes, but then City took control back again. Mm-hmm. It was a real confidence builder, um, and then it fell apart against Leicester. And it's like, well, have they actually solved the problems that they had last season, or is it just going to be another one of those seasons? The mm-hmm. saving grace, I think, this year. It's judging by the results this weekend. I think everybody's <laughs> going to be the same. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I don't know if. I, I don't know if you're going to need 90 points to win the title this yeah, season. Yeah, it certainly doesn't seem like it, especially with the European competitions coming yeah. back. Everyone's playing every three days. It's just insanity. But so obviously, defensively is is the problem. Maybe it's central midfield. Maybe it's the defenders themselves. Like. How do you see the Rodri and Fernandinho double pivot? Is that the future? Is that good enough to sort of shield the back line and, and regain control? It seems like Pep has, you know, he subbed Fernandinho off early and then he brought him on in the Leeds match to sort of wrangle control back. It's sort of like in between. Yeah, it's um, it's tricky because um, Rodri is obviously the player that they want to anchor the midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think he's good enough to do it on his own. He needs that presence like Fernandinho next to him. The problem then comes is that Fernandinho can't really be the future because he's what, 34, 35 or so yeah. now? So he's, he's not a long-term option for the, for that position. Whereas Rodri, you know, early twenties is the long-term option. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I honestly don't know. I think, um, it was telling that 
City weren't weren't playing particularly well against Leicester when he took Fernandinho off, but they they had control with the game. They, Leicester couldn't or weren't breaking through them and, with with. Relative I mean, it ease. was still one one, right? It was one one, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Fernandinho comes off, and suddenly Leicester are breaking and breaking and breaking, right. and there's so much space. Then again against Leeds, obviously Fernandinho doesn't start, but for that twenty minutes, City were City were fantastic. Yeah. So there was obviously some. It's not necessarily Fernandinho being in that position that is uh, the, the complete saving grace. But then, as soon as City lost control of the game, you know, it, we had twenty twenty five minutes where yeah. both teams. It's like a basketball game. Both teams yeah, were going absolutely. down the other end, and it was crazy. And, and, you know, almost, almost scoring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then Guardiola goes. Actually, we need control of this. Let's bring Fernandinho on. Um, so I, I think a lot of fans feel a lot more comfortable when Fernandinho is there. But long term, he can't be there for for the vast right. majority of City's games. Um, so he hadn't I, played I think, midfield in a year before. This yeah, season, exactly. Right? Yeah. So I, I think I think the double pivot is is probably a good solution to that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not convinced it always works with Rodri and Gundogan. With I, I, with Rodri and Fernandinho, it's worked quite well this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'd like to see when Gundogan is is allowed to play again after after having COVID, whether he's uh, whether he's going to be the the sort of player that can that that, that can step up the. Right. The kind of performance. I mean, it's it's interesting as well. The the year that City last won the title, twenty nineteen, um, they lost Fernandinho to injury in the in the running, mm-hmm. and Gundogan played that holding midfield position on mm-hmm. his own and did really well. So I don't know if that's a possible solution as well. Where that leaves Rodri, I've I've no idea. Yeah, Rodri is such an interesting player. He almost makes me appreciate Fernand- Prime Fernandinho yeah. even more because it's like, oh my god, it takes at least two players to replace what Fernandinho was yeah. doing. And I like- mean, I, I tell you, there was a there, there was a passage of play against Leeds where uh, Leeds nearly scored. Um, they broke away from midfield. It was a four-on-four in the second mm-hmm. half. And three times Rodri tried to foul his man in the way that <laughs> Fernandinho would do. And three times he missed the foul. Unreal. And I, and I was just thinking, if Fernandinho, like, a, a couple of years ago, was playing that position on his own, then either... City would have had the ball, right. or Leeds would have had a free kick on the halfway line. There'd have been no right. other option. And right. In the and end, you think about with... who who played in front of Fernandinho with, yeah. with David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne. It's like he did it literally all on his own. It's so yeah. insane. But what what I'm curious about though, also with Rodri, is that we know that he wasn't the first choice. It was probably Jorginho. So. Jorginho also wasn't going to re- replicate what Fernandinho was doing at the time, you know, defensively just dominating the center of the pitch. He's he's more of a passer and like a maestro or whatever. So I'm curious what the plan was, you know, what, what you think Pep's plan was for that position going forward, because we're talking about Rodri might not be able to do it on his own. I, I don't think Jorginho would have been able to do it on his own either. So what was the idea to just evolve the the team and the system and try and control the match more with more possession and more passing or what what do you think that the plan was I think it kind of had to be that because mm. um they missed out on Jorginho as you say mm-hmm. and he's not the same player they missed out on Fred as well who who Ooh, ended up okay. at Old Trafford um and he, I mean, he's not the same player as Fernandinho. Oh, no do the same job. There, there so, might not be another. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's that's probably the issue. Yeah. So um, I, I suspect I, I suspect the double pivot is not a a new line of thinking for Guardiola. I suspect he's had it for in his mind for a while, mm-hmm. um, and it might it, it might not necessarily be the personnel that's in City's team. It might just might just need a little bit of a tweaking with the with the setup. Right. Um, obviously, the way Guardiola plays, he likes midfielders and he likes attacking players on the pitch mm-hmm. um 
So I think he's he's reluctant to have more than one player in that that kind of anchor role because if, as soon as he does, he loses one of his forward players. Yeah, he loses um, a presser. Right? Yeah, he's, he's not going to play three at the back. Um, right, right. So I mean, I suppose he could play three at the back with the with with the the, the players City have now. You look at Ake, Laporte, and Diash. The, right. the three of them could be could be a back four. Uh, could be back three, and then Walker, Mendy either side of that being a little bit further forward, and mm-hmm. then. I guess kind of like Walker and Mendy instead of instead of bombing on down the wings, they could tuck inside to become kind of like your holding players instead. Right, right, right. So I, I don't know that 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 could be something he'll, he'll do. We've not seen a lot of that, um, so I I don't know if that would be uh, be a long term solution. Um, maybe I'm just talking myself into it though. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean there, it seems like there's infinite options. It's like a football manager's dream, FIFA dream. But so, what about the left back position? I mean, Walker obviously has that nailed down on right back. But what about left back? Like, how do you see Mendy versus Cancelo? Is it Cancelo or Cancelo? Uh, and, we we say Cancelo, but it, it yeah. could be Cancelo. Yeah. yeah, I think it's Cancelo. And then Ake is obviously in the mix a little bit, sort of like an in between center back, left back. And there's rumors about buying another left back and. I, for me, Mendy hasn't looked the same after the the long term injuries, and he's not. He's not. No. Yeah, he just lost some pace, and and he he was kind of run ragged against Leeds, I thought. But so, what, how do you see the left back position developing? It's, again, it's completely up in the air. I mean, I, right. I I don't really understand how City have got into this season without having addressed the left back issue. Right. Um. They they sold or they let Gail Clichy go in in twenty seventeen. Brought in Benjamin Mendy, who obviously, mm. you know, for a lot of money, was 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 going to be the first choice I left mean, back. He, he was, was a superstar at first. Exactly, yeah. He was, yeah. He was amazing at Monaco. Um, he was amazing for the the ten games or so that we yeah. got before his first <laughs> knee injury. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, it's a meniscus injury, so, so like, right. it's you can you can understand players not coming back yeah. the same. Yeah. And ultimately. The question has always been, well, if Mendy can stay fit, and the answer is, well, he's not going to stay fit. It's, yeah, it's, it just isn't going to happen. It's like saying um, if Gundogan can stay fit, and it's yeah, like, well, it just, yeah, yeah, it's it not a happen. thing. It's just not a thing. So they they really needed to address that, and I and I know the transfer window is still open as we speak, but I don't suspect they're going to do it before uh, eleven o'clock this evening. But what about um, Cancelo? You don't you don't see him as potentially uh, he, the guy. He was okay. He was okay as as a left back, but he's he's definitely more of a right back. And mm. it City City's problem has been trying to play through opposition teams at, at times and, and actually right. trying to create those chances in the last kind of eighteen months. And when Mendy's on the pitch, he's fine at getting to the byline and getting a decent ball into the middle. When Cancelo's on the pitch on the left hand side, mm-hmm. then he he's reluctant to use his left foot. So he's so he's always trying to slow it down, come inside again. Which Sterling's trying to do ahead of him anyway, right? Then, that makes sense. Yeah. So it, it just it kind of like it, it's really struggled. And then I mean the other option, Zinchenko, he's he's done okay, but he's yeah. not a left back. He's not a long term right. left back. He's an attacking midfielder who is left footed. So that's right. that's what it is. And and Ake, you know, we haven't really seen him there. He's he's played there in his career. He plays there for the mm-hmm. Netherlands sometimes. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he's maybe maybe he's the the, the backup that that Guardiola's got in right. mind for the reason they don't go into the market this summer. I just think it feels like a massive oversight that they they couldn't address it in 2017 because right. Mendy got injured. Uh, 2018 they didn't they didn't try to. 2019 again they they didn't try and to. There was third Angelin- season running. There, there was Angelino, but that didn't last long. Well, I mean, he was. I mean, it's looked good at, at RB Leipzig, but right. he's been he uh, without. 
being too harsh on the lad. He just didn't cut it for City. There was, right. there was so many times where... Well, he also just, plays wing back, right? So yeah. he doesn't really have the defensive responsibilities. It's, yeah, I, I'm surprised it hasn't been addressed either. Like, you think about Jordi Alba or Alba <laughs> or, you know, I'm just like, you know, that's a position of need. But so do you... It's sort of in the FBL community, everyone jokes like Pep Roulette, like trying to figure out which <laughs> Manchester City to get because there's so much rotation and everything. I'm curious as a supporter, do you find that frustrating? Do you do you crave a, a like quote unquote settled eleven or you know, with the amount of success that City have had and Pep has had, it, do you just blindly accept the way he chooses to set up the team every week is the best way to go, to, to attack a team? Yeah. There's uh, there's a line of thinking. Of the, the, a friend of mine said um, that Guardiola uh, often when he when he picks his team and he start and he sorts his tactics, it's like a million Rubik's cubes spinning at light speed <laughs> in his head because he Absolutely. can't really understand what's what's going to happen. It's a beautiful um, mind. It's just yeah, numbers spinning around. Just, and yeah, nobody knows what's going to happen. And yeah. so, like, there comes this this point where certainly from a fantasy league perspective, mm-hmm. you can't you can't bank on any of City's players playing other right. than. You know, Kevin De Bruyne, Sterling, when he's fit, Raheem yeah. Sterling, even, even Sterling gets rotated out yeah. of the team from time yeah. to time. And when you see the the, the starting lineup, I'm I, I'm generally of the mind: what on earth is he doing here? Let's see what's <laughs> going on, and then we kind of judge it after that. Right. But, uh, my, the the only time I ever I ever really get worried is when um, Raheem Sterling and uh, and Kevin De Bruyne are not in the team. Um, I think. City do go down a level when those two are not in the side. Makes um, sense. Or one of those two is not in the side. Mm-hmm. Um, every, everyone else you kind of take as a bit of a bit of a much of a muchness, and they're all great players. They can all yeah. rotate around, so yeah. you kind of trust what what they can do. So I think about- City have been struggling recently by not having um, not having Aguero or Jesus oh, as a centre forward, yeah. and I think you're just going to kind of get through this this time when they're both injured. Yeah, and what about Mares? I'm curious about Mares because. I'm just curious, why isn't he starting at right wing every week? It seems like from a non-City supporter perspective, he seems like one of the best players, one of the genuine superstars in the team whenever he's on the pitch. I'm I'm curious, is it a, is it a tactical deficiency? Is it he's wanted against specific teams only and not against other teams? Can he not press like Pep wants? Or is it just rotation to keep him fresh? Well, he doesn't press quite as well as, as Bernardo does. Uh, mm-hmm. Bernardo is, I mean, the classic example was that Liverpool game in 1819 uh, at the Etihad. Yeah. City had to win and, and uh, De Bruyne was injured and it was almost as if um, he was injured. He was coming back from injury. He was on the bench mm-hmm. and it was almost as if Guardiola had said to Bernardo Silva, look, look just give us an hour, absolute full pelt, yeah. run, your, run your backside off and just just go. Mm. And then on the hour, he kind of looks over to the bench as if to say, is, right, I've, I've done my running now. Is, is De Bruyne coming on? And it was like Guardiola went, 10 more minutes, just 10 more minutes, just yeah. run and run and run, 10 minutes. And then on 17 minutes, he looks across and went, like, like, I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm an empty, that's it. And, he, and it's like Guardiola went, five more minutes, just give me five minutes. And he just ran and ran and ran. And he ended up breaking the Premier League record for distance run wow. a, by a single player. I'm a game. Liverpool supporter for yeah. uh, perspective, by the way. Yeah. It, it's just, <laughs> he was just insane that night. Yeah. So he, um, he presses a lot better than Mares does. Um, I, I agree. I think Mares is brilliant. And, um, I, I, I think he's the only one of City's forward line that offers something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's, he's the sort of player that, can slow it down and speed it up again at, at, um, at you know kind of at will. Whereas you look at Sterling, Sterling's someone who wants the ball in behind, and you're going to run in behind. Right, right. Um, 
Bernardo's again a, a little bit tricky and can you know can can kind of weave his way in and out of problems. I don't really see Mares doing that. Mm-hmm. I see Mares kind of you know changing the tempo of the game and dragging players over wide and stuff. Um, so I guess it's I guess it's pressing a little bit and I guess it's tactical more than more Got than it. anything else. Does what about Torres? Does he sort of fit the system better in a certain way? What do you see out of Torres? I've not seen a lot of him, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. He looks. He, his first two games were a bit quiet. His he, the, the League Cup game at Burnley, he uh, he was really really good. Um, he looks almost um, not a direct replacement for Leroy Sane because I think Sane is a huge loss for City. Um, he is incredible, yeah. But I, I I just think he again Torres will offer something different. He he seems okay. to want to get in behind with pace in the same way that Sane used to do. Um, whether he'll play on the right coming in inside or whether he'll play wide left and stretch the game that way. I'm not, I'm not sure yet. Uh, he seems perfectly capable of doing either. I, I mean, I think City have played better when they've had Sterling wide right and, and Sane wide left. Was, so I'd, I'd, I'd yeah. like to see Torres wide left, Sterling wide right. Yeah. But again, Sterling's favoured position is, is on the left cutting inside. So if, if that's the way it's going to be, then, you know, uh, how, Torres is going to have to play on the right, isn't right, he? Right, right. I just, I, like, getting those tap-ins from Sané crosses, like, how could that not be your favourite position? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what about Foden? I think he's he's very interesting in, in Fantasy Premier League. He's the cheapest of all of these guys by far. So, you know, everyone's always trying to get the cheapest option and and it seems like when he starts in the front three he has a lot of goals in him and you know he started in the midfield against Leeds he was still very involved like what's his what's his best position what's his future position and what are his you know best skills in general where do you see him in the future I like him um just behind the center forward I don't like it when Guardiola puts him wide um I think he's he's not bad he just I think you just lose a little bit of mm. uh, of his uh, input on the game uh, he had a that said he played inside against uh, against Leeds and struggled a little bit I thought um I think from a from a fantasy point of view in a weird sense uh, there's only three city players that I think are actually worth the money that that mm. you have to pay for them uh, I think it's worth uh, it's always worth having Aguero in your team it's yeah. always worth having De Bruyne in your team uh, and the the only other player that I would shell out for at the moment is uh, Phil Foden, just because of how oh, cheap he wow. is. I thought you were going to um, say Sterling. I well, thought that was the obvious third. Yeah. The, the the issue with Sterling is he he almost guarantees you a goal when he's on the pitch. Yeah. But he's not. He, he's um, Guardiola was not opposed to rotating him. Right. Uh, Foden is is going to be rotated, but at five and a half million, he's he's so much more worth the the, the gamble yeah. than anybody else. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm curious why he hasn't played midfield more. I mean, I know I'm only hearing the sort of like, you know, media perspective of everything, but he was sort of hyped up to replace David Silva, was he not? Like, he was, that yeah. free eight position next to De Bruyne, but he's only played there maybe twice or three times or something. I mean, is that something that he's lacking or is Pep preparing him for something different or was that never the plan in the first place i think um i, I don't i don't think guardiola sees him as the direct replacement for david silver um okay. because silver was silver was someone whose use of the ball is was a lot different to to, to foden so mm-hmm. silver could uh you know he, he would be looking to pick a pass at all times mm-hmm. foden is very much more um i need to get this ball towards the goal sort of thing mm. um 
and Silver was Silver was very much in the creative sense was was quite understanding of where to drag players and where to open the space and where the space would be. Foden's very uh, a lot more direct than Silver was. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if he sees him as the same sort of thing. I mean, from the journalists that that I speak to that are mm-hmm. closer to City than than I am, because I mean I'm, I'm not connected at all. <laughs> um, but. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Guardiola, I think, sees Gundogan a lot more like the player that, that oh, will will be the silver will play the silver role. Um, he's obviously not as good a passer as David Silver was, and you know can't do the same sort of things as Silver did. Um, but he's he's the most like David Silver that was that that I was see. in the squad. Whereas I think Foden is is a lot more kind of like that that. I, I, he's a much more of a kind of number nine position player where you get mm-hmm. in behind, yeah. lay the ball on for the striker, maybe pick up a, a few goals from the edge of the box or breaking late into the box sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, once the Jesus injury came in, I, I, I actually was thinking back to the Real Madrid Champions League game where Foden sort of played that false nine and yeah. Jesus was left and Sterling was right. And I, I thought that that was sort of the natural solution to the no center forward problem and then sterling started at center forward and i was yeah. you know i found that really surprising and so what, talk to me about aguero and jesus so aguero it's kind of scary you know i i've loved <laughs> watching aguero for a long time i've had him in fantasy every season i've ever played and how much does he have left in the tank this is a long-term very serious injury he's in his 30s now and then is Jesus sort of the long-term solution behind him? Where do you see? What have you heard about the injuries, and, and where do you see that? Well, the injury is this is the first Aguero injury that I have been particularly worried about. Yeah, um, only simply because, again, like Mendy, it's a meniscus injury, and it's the sort of injury where it. I mean, some players can bounce back and be as they were. Mm. Other players, as we've seen from Mendy, don't necessarily come back the same. Yeah, and I mean. Aguero is good enough that like, even if he can't run very well anymore, you still stick him in the box and he'll get you 25, 30 goals yeah, a season. Yeah. Um, but uh, Mendy's issue is that he, you know, he breaks down every six, eight weeks or so and mm-hmm. he, he needs two or three games out before he can come back in. Right. And that, I mean, it would be horrific if it, if this was the beginning of the, I mean, maybe this is the beginning of the end for yeah, Sergio Aguero. That's what he's, I'm I mean, about. Yeah. Early thirties or so. Um, but I, I, I kind of think nobody, like, no City fan wants to even contemplate that yet because. Yeah, yeah. Of, of Sorry to put you in that position. It's, yeah, yeah it, it's just it, it's just a horrid thought. Um, my, I, I just want to, I, I want to see him back on the pitch and see what he's like. I mean, yeah. it could be uh, the, the latest reports are that he's back in training and he'll be, he'll be, he'll be close to being ready for after the international break. Okay. Um, he traditionally takes about six, eight games anyway after an injury to, to kind of get back into the flow. Mm-hmm. So I won't be too worried if he, if he comes back and he starts slowly. Right. Um, I think that the time to worry if he's, is, is if it kind of, we're getting near Christmas and he's still kind of. Right. Not, in and not, out. Not, yeah. In and yeah. out, not really picked up full, full pace yet. Um, I mean, this being said, he'll make me look a fool now. He'll come back after the international break, score a hat trick, and then everything will yeah. be yeah, and everything will be back to normal. Honestly, that would be so nice. <laughs> like, <laughs> just that would be oh yeah, that that would that would take me out of pandemic times. It's like oh, yeah. the good old days. Like, there's there's and... no there's nobody like him. That, that's the thing. It really I mean, isn't. Yeah, you, you think of, of Premier League strikers, and I mean, think of all the greats. Think of of, of Alan Shearer. 
Um, I'm only t- I'm only about ten years into my Premier League, yeah. you know, fandom. But yeah, but like, think of, think of a great like Alan Shearer. He's yeah, got yeah. he's got a typical goal. He's strong in the air, big you know, big headers, you know, great in the box sort of thing. Uh, Thierry Henry, that that typical Henry goal where he opens his body up and bends it into the far corner. Mm. And then I say, well, describe a typical Aguero goal. And I'm like, well, there isn't one because he has such a range of, of yeah. finishes. You know, he he, he scores tap ins. He scores, you know blasts from 30 yards he's, mm. he's i mean he's not great in the air but he's, he's scored a fair few headers my, for somebody his size my typical aguero goes near post upper yeah. 90 that that's yeah. where i'm just like that's his his money spot right there yeah, yeah. That, that's that's about the only one that i can say oh yeah that's that one is identifiably aguero that's everything him. else yeah it's, it's fantastic yeah absolutely yeah i hope he comes back okay and what about jesus is he sort of are City fans happy with him? Is he sort of the long-term solution? You know, post, in a post-Aguero world, is it sort of Jesus's team going forward? It, um, where do you see that? Hmm. He he splits City fans a uh, lot, yeah, quite sure. quite a lot. Um, there's there's a, a a lot who who don't think he's up to the challenge and and, and just don't rate him. I think he I, I think he looks better when he is played wide coming inside from the left. Mm. Um, you know, judging by his personality, he's someone like he's, he's really hard on himself. He, yeah. he absolutely beats himself up mm-hmm. um, when he misses chances, and so I can't imagine that if he misses a chance, that he's then in a good mindset to to then yeah. be able to to go on it. Like the pressure he puts himself on on himself must and be he, huge. A, and he misses a lot of chances. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, I mean, there's, there's there's no getting away from that. He does. Yeah, um, yeah. But then again, you know, he scores some great goals as well. Yeah. So I I mean I I like him, and I'm I, I'm not I, I'm not that worried about what he can offer the team when Aguero's mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think when Aguero, when Aguero leaves, they do need to get in another striker. For um, sure. I don't, I don't think you can rely on Jesus to be the one to, to lead the line, mm. you know, pretty much every week in the way that Aguero does. Um, the one thing I'd, I'd say for Jesus is um, he, I, I don't see who is better than him, who would come in for the role right. that he plays in the squad. Because he knows that that if Aguero's fit, he, he's not starting. And he knows mm-hmm. that if Aguero is fit and, and playing centre-forward, if he is starting, mm-hmm. he's not going to be centre-forward. Um, how do you go out and get a, a striker? I mean, first off, is there a striker that is as good as Sergio Aguero out there? I'm right. not sure there is. Right. Uh, second off, you know, if you come to the tier below, are you going to get one of those strikers to come in and, and play the role that Jesus does? Right. Who's going to be happy than, sitting yeah. on the bench? Yeah, I, I, and are they going to be better than Jesus? And I'm, I'm not sure they are. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't see if City sell Jesus, I don't see who they're replacing with who isn't kind of the the same sort of player. Right. I, I, I agree with you. From my perspective, he's incredible, and you don't have to be a great finisher to be an incredible number nine. But yeah. Um, what about Diash? I, I should have maybe brought this up when we were talking about <laughs> defensive stuff, but um. You know, he, he's in, he immediately starts. He's there for like two days, barely trained, I'm sure. He immediately comes and starts, looks solid. Is he, are you guys, are you happy with him? It seems like he was maybe like third choice center back, but he's promising, he's young. What have you heard about him? What, what do you see? Yeah, um, I honestly don't know what to what, what to think because they obviously wanted Koulibaly as their top mm-hmm. target. Yeah. Um, they, they didn't get him. They then switched their attention to Koundé, who is a different type of defender. Right. Um, didn't get him for for whatever reason, uh, and then it's almost like it came out of the blue. So I don't know how much they'd been working on the on the idea of Diash before mm-hmm. 
or, or as one of, as one of the options, mm. or whether it was a case of oh hell, we haven't got our first two choices. Let's go and have a look at who we can get. <laughs> Let's get rid of um, Otamendi and yeah. see who we can get in. Yeah, it, I mean that that was the other part of it. They needed somebody who would take Otamendi. So yeah. that yeah. that that was part of the uh, of the big uh, of the big transfer problem that they had at centre back. Um, from what I've seen of him and from how he played against Leeds, he seems great. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm willing to to kind of hold back and give it time because Mangala looked great when he when he first signed for <laughs> oh, City. <man>. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, he had he, he's made his debut against Chelsea, kept uh, Diego Costa in, you know quiet on his own all game, right, right. Uh, and then in his second game he scored an own goal and gave away a penalty and everything fell apart. <laughs> so I, I I don't know I, I I'm, I'm willing to give Diaz time to settle in. Um, I. I Quietly confident that that he looks good enough to to kind of do the job at City. The nice. problem is that um, I, I kind of think City's defensive problems are that Fernandinho Rodri anchor that, position. That's kind of where why I started yeah. there because I feel the same way. It reminds me as a Liverpool Liverpool supporter when our centre backs were just constantly isolated. It was more of a yeah. Rodgers problem than a Klopp thing, but it was just. You know, people are just complaining about Lovren and Skirtle and everything. But what yeah. do you want them to do? You know, it's three v two in the box, and it, you yeah. know, it's just... if you've got to defend one on one all the time, you then can't. At no some one... point, you're going to make a mistake. Yeah, and... you can't do that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I guess I guess the last thing I kind of wanted to just talk about is just Pep himself. I I think this is is this the longest he's ever stayed at a club, or he's approaching yeah. the longest he's ever stayed at a club. Like, how do you? You know, he's he's on the last year of his contract, I think. Do you think he's going to resign, stay longer? Who do you see, you know, replacing him in the future? Is he losing steam? Is he drained? Can he still evolve? You know, there's a lot of questions there's, I feel there's like. There's so much Pep. to unpack, isn't there? So much, so much with Pep, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if he signed a, an extension. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's entirely on his terms. Uh, right. I think if the, if, I, I think if the if he's open to staying, I think the club are happy to, to to keep extending that contract until he wants to leave. Yeah, um, he himself. It's an interesting one for him because City's effectively been built for him. Right. Um, since the takeover in 2008, by the sounds of it, the, the long-term aim was get Guardiola as oh, the manager. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Um, yeah, and uh, maybe maybe a bit late, maybe a bit later actually, because he was still kind of early in his Barcelona career then, yeah. wasn't he? So, uh, may, might have been a bit later. But I, I there, like, he's never going to have it this good anywhere else. Right? He, like, he's he's pretty much untouchable at City. He yeah. what he wants, he he generally gets. Yeah, he hasn't had that with transfers in the last kind of 18 months or so, but more often than not, he, he gets what he wants. Mm-hmm. So is it, if he goes to Juventus, is he going to get that? Well, he's not, no. If he goes to wherever he goes next, right. is he, yeah. he going to get that setup? He's not. No, so really not. Yeah. It, then, it then becomes a question of how comfortable is he there? Is he, is, he, is he happy that he can get more out of this team? Or is he just going to find it more and more frustrating that that what he wants isn't going to happen? Right. And then, so that that's the trade off that he's got to make. Um, City are happy to have him there as long as possible. Um, I don't know about the fans generally. Uh, I think I think the I think the fans generally are, are, are more than happy to see him stick yeah, around I mean, for longer. Anything else would he's, be psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he, he's delivered. I mean. Everything. The two the two greatest Premier League seasons that we have ever seen from yeah. any club. Yeah. So you can't uh, you can't knock the guy for that. Um, whether or not he's running out of steam is another uh, another interesting issue because um, he he always says that 
when he decides whether he wants to stay or whether he's going to leave, it's whether that, whether he can smell that the players want to carry on mm, learning. Gotcha. And if you if you look at the performances over the last eighteen months, you kind of go, well, is that is it a tactical problem? Is it a is it a player motivational problem? Is it just the the quality yeah. of player problem? What like what what's what's been the issue? Why have City in, why did City lose nine games last season? Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, so I think I, I think the question of whether he'll sign a deal might actually be left until. I mean, possibly even until January or so. Right. Um, wow, that's crazy. Just, yeah. just, just as late as possible. I don't see who can possibly come in to replace him. I think City fans, in terms of of, of a replacement, I think if you were to offer them someone like Pochettino, who is free mm-hmm. at the moment, mm-hmm. I think I, I think they wouldn't say no to that. Um, but I think if it's a, a decision between would you want Pochettino now or would you want Guardiola to stay for another season, that's oh. a really, really difficult choice. Yeah. Um, and I mean, my gut instinct to that would actually be I'd rather see Guardiola stick around for another season and yeah. then deal with what happens after. As a Liverpool um, supporter, I'm like, go get Poch, get Poch. It's like, <laughs> I don't want Pep there anymore. You know? But that, that, that's the thing. I mean, the, the other side of it is, you know, this this season, as crazy as it is, um, I mean, we we saw the results uh, over this this weekend just gone. Insane. I mean, what if what if Guardiola ends up winning three trophies again this year? Because it's right. not off, it's not out of the cards. No, does that not then? At all. Yeah. Does no, that no. then revitalize everybody and, and him go? Actually, I'm going to sign another three year deal, and then yeah. all of a sudden he's he's become the longest yeah. serving manager since and, ooh, what Joe Mercer probably. I mean, he's already <laughs> the longest serving manager since Tony Buck in the seventies. So. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, knows, we, go, we go through managers quite a lot sometimes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you, yeah. I guess. If, if, if you look at the 90s, it's quite it's, it's like an ejector seat in the I, manager's office. I, I should have put that together when you were telling me. It was like <laughs> up, down, up, down, up, down every season. So, yeah, that makes sense. But um, there, was a, that, there was a season 96, 97. Uh, they had five managers between uh, August 96 and uh, January 97. Uh, wow. Five months, five managers. That's that's very Watford of you. <laughs> very impressive. Um, that's basically all. That's all of the city questions that I could possibly think of and cram into here. I'm just curious, how's your fantasy season going? What city players are in your team? Not too badly, actually. But that's that's largely because I had a, a, a week three wild card. So oh, nice, um, nice, nice. I had to, I had to, I had to do it all. Um, I got uh, a nice 69 points on uh, the last weekend. I, that's I, huge. I, I, I fell on my feet with uh, captain in uh, James Rodriguez. Oh my um, god! Wow. Two goals and an okay. assist. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I kind of, I've kind of made my peace with not really picking City players because I can spend that money elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And while City are a bit hit and miss, and while Guardiola's rotating his team a bit, yeah, um, I'm not losing out too much on on wow. uh, the, the players who score points. My only, my only real loss was uh, I had Alexander Arnold this week, and uh, <laughs> you know, 90 minutes and seven goals is is somehow minus one point. Yeah. Like, how it's only minus one, I'm not really I know, sure. But, yeah, so. that's that's a more complicated question. I went into yeah. I went in with Van, with Van Dyke and Trent on Alexander Arnold, so combined oh, negative three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. It went great. Everything's yeah. great. Um, Just Looking at looking at my leagues, I'm near the top of all of them, so I'm I'm doing all right. All right. Um, all right. I mean that that will fall apart because traditionally <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm there's one that we play where we all um, we all pay to get into it, and then yeah. we kind of divide up the winning top yeah, six yeah. get money at the end of it. Uh, I've been in that for five years. There's there's about thirty players in it, and the top mm. six get money. Um, and I've never once won any money uh, back. So <laughs> this might be your year. Who knows? Um, I think it's probably a good place to wrap up. Um, David, where can people read your work, hear you speak, follow you on social media, all that stuff? 
Uh, best bet is to. Uh, I'm a. I'm. I, I'm not very imaginative soul. So my uh, my Twitter <laughs> name is at David Mooney. Um, and just yeah, look up Blue Moon Podcast on uh, on Twitter as well. And uh, if you are a subscriber of the Athletic, then uh, Why Always Us is our podcast on there. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the Athletic for a pound right now, uh, then you can sign up for. Uh, you can sign up doing that by uh, using the code Man City Pod as well. Wow, a pound. That's a good deal. <laughs> um, it's super, mad, isn't it? Yeah. it it's crazy. I, I'm a huge fan of The Athletic. Re- definitely recommend it to everyone. Super happy we were able to put this together. Thanks so much for coming on. Anytime. I just hope that, uh, that my fantasy league season continues as it started. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. Check us out at fmlfield.com. Follow us on Twitter at fmlfield. Support us at patreon.com slash fmlfield. Subscribe, rate, review, and cheers. Social Podcast Network. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.